Welcome to our Think Kingdom podcast. We want to welcome you this week as we continue in the book of Acts with the Jesus Movement. Let's jump in and see what God's Word has for us from our lead pastor, Antoine Lassiter. See, we, we have to practice these, these moments because what they do is, they, I believe, they shape how we see the world. Like chaos is all around us. And if you're like me, sometimes you want to add you know, commentary. You hear about something that's happening over here and you say stuff like, man, the world is getting really bad. You didn't even have to think about your comment. And, and, and so sometimes even uh, married couples, uh, you, ever, you ever just look into your spouse's eyes? After a while, it's like this. Okay, this is awkward. Because if something happens when we're like silent, you're having a conversation, right? And it's... Uh, you know, you're talking and you're talking and talking. And then there's just a natural lull. It's just. And me and my awkwardness. Yeah, I heard that, uh, that dogs can mimic rabbits. Because that awkwardness. And we add too. And then it's like even when you start doing something that's, that's good, like reading scripture. Right? You start reading scripture, and all of a sudden, your mind, your, your thoughts are just like this. And you're in the middle of reading scripture. And then sometimes we read scriptures just to consume information. And then, like, we, sometimes we don't have these healthy rhythms of reading scripture. So when life gets hard, uh, we're just only reading scripture to get what we need from it. And then because of the chaos of our own hearts and the chaos of our minds, um, sometimes we can't even find what we need. So it's like this thing don't work. And so it's it's like um, the annual physical. Like there are checkups. When you go to the doctor, there's checkups. And who likes going to the doctor to tell him, you already know this, uh, but... I know my blood pressure's jacked up. I was talking to someone who said, hey, every time I eat bacon, I get a headache. Reverend, stop. (laughs) It's just funny how, like, we sort of navigate life. That, I mean, we read Scripture only when there's a need. And then we're angry, not y'all, somebody else I was talking to several years ago. Um, then we're angry at God because he's not speaking. And then we want God to respond when we want him to respond. And then we get real clever. We'll pull a scripture out of obscurity and stretch it to apply to us. My whole household's going to serve the Lord. You don't even serve him. Okay. So when we read scriptures, it's often common to read into them what you are experiencing as instead of reading out of it what God is really trying to say. So we have this practice where we come on Sunday mornings, and thank you for coming, that I read scriptures for you. And 
that's okay if that's not the only time you read. But if it's the only time you read, you are feasting on what I have to say. And so we, we have this dichotomy with Scripture that we want to teach people the habits of reading Scripture. But because of the me-centeredness, we read ourselves into the Scripture. And real, instead of hearing what God is trying to say from Scripture. So here's what happens, Alana. That the entire Bible is about God. But because of these habits, I make it about me. Like everybody speaks of David fighting Goliath. And even if we use him as a, as a backdrop to your life, and that's the example, look what David had to go through. So we want the victorious David fighting Goliath, but we don't want him running for 17 years. We want the glorious victory without the realities of suffering. And then when God doesn't remove the suffering, and here's what's so crazy, I'm talking about me. I'm just giving you a window of me. When God doesn't remove the suffering because he's more concerned with the character than he is with what I'm trying to do. So the Bible is all about God. But we make idols, smaller gods, out of my emotions, out of people and, or things. And so now my experience becomes the blueprint for yours. And so I, I love this is God-inspired testimony because Tiffany kept reiterating, this is my story. Because if I compare the fact that the Lord healed her, and I'm still not being healed, then obviously God might prefer her over me, but this is her story. What are you saying? I'm saying that the marvel of what God has done through the first century church began is relevant to us if on the lower level we do what they did. We can't do it the way we want to do it and then pray for revival. Pray for the marriages to be like some things I did not have to pray for in terms of my marriage. Something I had to work towards. I wasn't loving. Lord, fix Tanya. Lord's like, here's a mirror. Well, I don't see Tanya in it. Fix her, Lord. She's short with me. She doesn't listen. Mira, why do you keep showing me me? I'm praying about her. So in this, this thing, what you're going to, because here's the thing I want you to sort of see. Acts is not only about moving the gospel from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria and the outermost parts of the earth. The book of Acts is also about God moving in us. 
We have romanticized the things of God to the point we are more concerned about the gift than the giver. We are more concerned about status and posture and position than our own hearts. We are more concerned about the banner, the banner, the banner of denominations or preferences or all of these things. And we forget that every time you see scripture, it speaks about the glory of God. And that's the glory of God and everybody else. And this is God moving through Jerusalem into Judea and Samaria. But here's the Here's the secret sauce. God is moving through the disciples. Their obedience. Uh-oh. I shouldn't have used that word. Obedience. Because obedience is an extension of faith. We wouldn't, that, and I'm included in that number, we wouldn't have to do all of this other stuff if we were just operating in obedience. Uh, yeah, it's tight. I'm, I'm, I'm going to help you in a minute. I'm helping me. The scriptures reveal the glory of God. Uh, when Matthew 28, 19, when Jesus tells the disciples, hey, uh, make disciples, go out and make disciples and see what we observe the disciples doing. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Everybody say all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So the disciples spend all this time with Jesus. Why? Because number one, they learn from Jesus. They didn't learn, they learned from Jesus. And as a result of learning from Jesus, they lived for him. I want you to see this connection. They, so you're sitting here as a part of learning, absolutely. But this is not only the only way to learn. This is in addition to. So we're learning from Jesus. Why do we need to learn from, from Jesus? Because we need to live for him. Why do we need to live for him? Because if you don't live for him and you don't learn from him, there's no way in this this world, you can love like him. And that speaks to every relationship. He covers every relationship. You want to learn how you want, you want to love your wife? Learn from Jesus and start living for him. You want to love your enemies? Learn from Jesus and start living for him. If you want to pray harder, pray longer and see the power of God move in your life, learn from Jesus and then live for Jesus. All of these things are connected, and I apologize that somehow we're making them disconnected. That I'm not saying learn from Antoine. I'm saying learn from Jesus, because what happens if Antoine falls? And that's why I believe that, that some in our faith community is falling, because he will not share his glory with anyone else. Learn from Jesus. So we can live for him. So we can love like him. Why? Because of Matthew 28, 19. So we can lead people to him. In this book of Acts, we're in the sixth chapter of Acts. We're seeing this progression. This is what's so crazy about the book of Acts, that we are benefiting from their obedience. That's why we're here. It's because it went out. The gospel went out. But here's what's so beautiful and heart-wrenching to a degree about this, what's happening. That they're doing the will of God. This is crazy. They're doing the will of God, but along the way, they are growing. Yeah, people are being added. 
the signs, wonders, and miracles, and they're also being opposed. Wouldn't it make more sense, that's just me and you, that if I'm doing good and godly stuff, what's the problem? There's always kingdom resistance. It's natural to think, and this is how, I'm just talking about me. Uh, it's, it's natural to think, though, that I am being uh, resisted or opposed because I'm being obedient to him. Not true. Sometimes we're being opposed because uh, your, our behavior is catching up with us. In other words, I just need, um, yeah. So if everyone, if you're a liar and everyone is accusing you of lying, that's not opposition. Bruh, that's calling a spade a spade. If I am inconsistent and I'm not a person of my word, and people say things like, man, he ain't a person of his word. You know, the devil's really after me. All these haters, they're not haters. They are observers. <laughs> I like that. That was cute. All right. So kingdom resistance with consequences or failure to make a decision is not kingdom resistance. And so there are three types of pressure that's growing with the disciples. Now, this is them being obedient to God. First type of uh, opposition is pressure. Right? There's a saying that says pressure bursts pipes. Pressure is the use of persuasion or influence or intimidation to make someone do something. So remember in Acts chapter 4, um, they are arrested and they're told not to preach Jesus. That's pressure. And so pressure is often draped in inconvenience. So oftentimes the things that we're saying is persecution. That's my third point. The, the things that are draped in persecution, we say, it's, we say it's persecution. Man, that's a little pressure. There's a difference between pressure and persecution. In between pressure and persecution are problems. Problems is a part of life. The devil's not attacking you if you're on your, on your wheels, your tires, you got 400,000 miles. And the thread is showing. That's not the devil. That's because everything eventually breaks down. And I know it's on your way to this special event. It's just caught up with you. So there's a difference between pressure and persecution. So we all have problems. Say, we all have problems. But how many of our problems are connected because we're trying to advance the kingdom versus is based on the decisions we make? There's a difference. So pressure will make you change your confession. So most people don't change because of the light. They change because of the heat, that the temperature is rising in your life. And so now that's the pressure. And we start seeing the people around us and all the collateral damage and all those things that we're doing, and that's the pressure building because if you don't deal with the pressure now, it's going to become a problem. And so we overlook how we are in relationships. We overlook how we are even in the small things, and eventually those pipes burst. See, I grew up in the country, and uh, during the winter, uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but during the winter, we would have this little small little box was brick and um, our water would freeze. So my dad would have to put a light bulb in that area to keep the pipes from freezing. And the whole 90% of the church is like, wow, that's so archaic. Yeah, that's how it was. That was the country. And, and, and so the heat would keep things warm. 
Because when the pressures come and it's cold, then that, that light bulb will, will supply the heat needed to keep the pipes from bursting. But the light was also a way to see into that little small gadget at nighttime if the water was messing up. So light, uh, uh, light can serve both heat and illumination. And sometimes when we have pressure that's building and God shines his light on it, it's to expose it to make us aware of it. So I, if, you, if you talk with me in these recent weeks, you'll hear me say, keep pulling the thread. Because what you think the problem is, is generally deeper. But who wants to do that? Just fix it, Reverend. Just fix it. No, pull that thread. Because in my own life, I'm pulling that thread. And if that thread leaves me away, leads me away from Jesus, it's something to that. So um, the pressure that the disciples are experiencing is to name the name of Christ. And don't mind them healing but just don't heal in that name. And the pressure that's building around us, no one cares about saying the higher power or the universe or ancestors, start naming the name of Jesus. And that cuts everything in half, bro. If, if when we say, man, I love God, most cool, Jesus. When we talk about ancestors, oh yeah. <laughs> We talk about Jesus, uh-oh. You see that line? So the pressure is building. So here's the thing. The pressure is to name the name that's above every name. But when you name the name that's above every name, you send out a warning. And so as time goes on, Pastor Ramon, the, the disciples are now experiencing problems. Problems are designed or come from within and without. I want you to see this dichotomy. Um, it, problems come from within, me, you, us, and also without. Some of those are circumstances. Some of those are the internal conflicts I have. I keep losing, but this one I'm going to win. And so those are internal conflicts, I and mean, that's what we see evidence in the church. That as the church is growing, remember last week, more people more problems. So as the church grows, these problems are being exposed. And the disciples, and a problem is a matter or a situation regarded as unwelcomed or harmful and needing to be dealt with. So as the movement, as the movement continues, the disciples pray for boldness. But now we're knocking at the door of persecution because now they get beaten a couple times. And now we introduce Stephen from Acts chapter 6, verse 1 through 7. Remember, there arose a problem and they need to attend to. They need to attend to tangible needs. But something begins to happen now. And so persecution is hostility and ill treatment, harassment. And so there's a difference between persecution and prosecution. Prosecution is when, when you committed a crime and you could potentially get punished for it. Persecution in this, in this regard is they are literally advancing the kingdom. Why, why are folks opposed to the kingdom? Because the kingdom advancement disrupts the worldly order. And the worldly order is put self first. 
So I'm talking with people um, and I'm realizing that you are grown and you are big and bad enough to continue to behave the way, continue to drink your way, eat your, whatever it is, you are. But consequence is coming. And, and, and so this illumination um, is, is part of the challenge of the church. So as we see in Acts chapter 6, one question, say one question, keeps popping up in my own study of the scripture. And I'm going to ask you this question. What are you willing to give or give up for Jesus? I wrestled with that question all week. Because what are you willing to give? And then Jess, what are you willing to give up? And that's, that's a personal question, but it has collective potential. It, it, it's like, are you willing to give up your thing for his? Are you willing to give everything you have and I'm reading the, the I'm reading Acts tip, and I and I'm, I'm like, yo, and the disciples answer to that question is everything. Well, what's everything? Your life. See, if we ask you to give money, only thing you got to do is give the part that won't hurt you. If we ask you to give time, the only thing you got to do is like, okay, let me see what I can work in my schedule. But are you willing to give up everything? And hey, 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 I'm trying, not trying to condemn you. I'm really just trying to illuminate all of our hearts. Because I'm reading this, and, and I'm going to read it, and I, I promise you I'm, we're going to leave just a little bit later. But I, I got to read this in, in its entirety and show you something that just leaps from the page of Scripture for me. Now, Stephen, it's interesting because in previous Verses, Acts chapter um, 6, 1 through 7, there's a problem that arises in the church. They need to take care of the widows. And then they, they, the widows um, um, are Hellenistic Jews who are now Christians. And they say, hey, and so all the men that they rose up is Greek. They could speak Greek. They had that. And then, and, and then you think about it, they're taking care of the needs. And Luke, who's the author of Acts, is chronicling or detailing what's happening. And now Stephen... Is mentioned among the seven. Stephen and Philip, we will catch up with Philip a little later on, but now the focus is turned to Stephen. Now, Stephen was full of grace and power. I'm like, man, everybody want to be like Stephen. Because what was he doing? He was performing great wonders and signs among the people. Opposition arose. Opposition arose, however, from some members of the Freeman's Synagogue, composed of both Cyrenians and Alexandrians, and from Cilicia, speaking in tongues, and Asia, and they began to argue with Stephen. But they were unable to stand up against his wisdom 
and the Spirit, capital S, by whom he was speaking. And then they secretly persuaded some men to say, we heard him speaking blasphemous words against Moses and God. And this accusation stirred up the people, the elders and the scribes, so that they came, seized him, and took him to the Sahedrin. They also presented false witnesses who said, this man never stopped speaking against this holy place and the law. For we heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth would destroy this place and change the customs that Moses handed down to us. And all who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at him and saw that his face was like the face of an angel. So sandwiched between 9 and 14, the two breads, the two opposite ends of this final last part of Scripture, these verses, is now Stephen was full of grace and power, was performing great wonders and signs among the people. But verse number 15, and all who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at him and saw that his face was like the face of an angel. Now, we don't know how much time has gone between verse number uh, seven and verse number eight. We don't know the, the length of time, but here's what we do know. We know that Stephen was full of grace and power and was performing great wonders and signs among the people. Let me just put a pause in it. Most of us will stop right there. He was performing signs and wonders. Keep reading. Because them signs and wonders cost. And, and, and here's the 15th verse. But when they were making accusations against him, he had the face of an angel. In other words, he was in peace. He's full of grace and power. Because when the heat is turned up, he can remain in peace. And his peace is going to cost him his life. Now, I'm reading this scripture and I'm saying, Lord, in all your sovereignty, you mean to tell me you couldn't deliver him from that? You mean to tell me that this man who in verse in chapter seven, we're going to yeah, he gives a long sermon. And his sermon, I've never done this. His sermon was so good and bad. That as we read it, that's right, Stephen, that's right. But as he's saying it, oh, really? Not only do they pick up stones, they throw them. And not only do they throw them, they hit them. And not only do they hit them, they keep hitting them till he dies. And then you keep reading the breath and death of Scripture. You start to realize that that high priest, according to scholars, was the priest and the mentor of one we call Saul. Let me share something that's interesting. Saul is who we call Paul. And so you mean to tell me the cat that was orchestrating all of this had a mentor, had a mentee that was sitting at his feet, learning the Mosaic law, learning order, learning all of that, and actually was a part of witnessing Stephen get killed. And all of this is leaping from the pages of Scripture, that all of this is connected. And here we are now listening to Stephen. 
Luke is also the one who wrote Luke 12, 12, who says, who, who Jesus tells the disciples that the Holy Spirit will give you what to say when the time has come. And now Stephen is under the compulsion and the compelling nature of the Holy Spirit, both full of grace and power, is now being led by the Spirit to say things that disrupt the people around him. And it cost him his life. And see, remember, when we read Scripture, it sometimes appear that the next thing happened was immediate. And so we read in the context that Peter, I mean, I mean I'm saying uh, Stephen, he was helping the widows, and then immediately this happened. No, we don't know how much time. In other words, there are certain things that we read and we expect the same experience, that he was laid hands on, and then before you know it, he was standing up in front of the Sanhedrin getting killed. No, no, in between that time was character development. Because not only we must be filled with the Spirit, we have to be filled with the Spirit if we hope to see the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is found in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. Write this down because um, I want you to see it. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And these do not happen overnight. I know you're ready to go and do everything that God called you to do. Go, yes. But do not, do not oppose obscurity. Because when you are thrusted into the forefront and you're not ready, you're going to mess up us and yourself. So here's what's happening. And let me, let me just share something with you. I might get to it next week. I'm not sure. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 and 18. So, pastor, he was full with power, with grace and power. Some, uh, some translations uh, actually say faith. He was full of faith and power. What we can agree on is it wasn't something that originated for him. So whatever we're going to do from God has to be originated from God. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. Pay a careful attention then to how you walk. Some translations say live, but it's walk. Not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. So don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled by the Spirit speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making music with your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So you want to know how to be filled with the Spirit. You want to know how. See, here's what I realized, that most of us probably won't be in the position that Stephen was. So we may not be ever asked to die like Stephen, but you are asked to live. So we're not asked to necessarily die for God in that context, but we are asked to live for God. And sometimes the living part is the hardest. 
pay a careful attention then to how you walk. First, I'm going to leave you with this, and we'll unpack it another time. First, you got to walk carefully. It's not just how big your goals are, but the details make the difference. If we're building anything in his name, pay attention to how you build it. See, success, this is what we're taught in the worldly way. What we're taught in the worldly way is simple. Do whatever you got to do to get yours. Make it happen. You can't rely on nobody but yourself. And that's counter to this. Get it. We got hustlers, and that's not a bad thing. We got hustlers. We got entrepreneurs. We got a mixture of the two. We got everyone who's trying to get it. But you keep reading the total counsel of God. You get back to the, the, the Proverbs writer. Vanity, vanity. It's all vanity. Because you can get what you want and still be empty. You can accomplish great things in his name, and he don't even know you. God is so concerned with how we do a thing than the end result of the thing. You got to walk carefully, man. Listen, we can, Tanya and I can carefully curate images that we happy, and we fool y'all. God looks at us and like, man, that's a good picture. But you got a nasty heart. Walk carefully how you walk and who you walk with. Stephen is being incubated in community, not just with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, but in the fellowship of the saints. Think about this. We read about Stephen, and I don't see any of the folks coming to his aid. Uh, hey, that's our man. That's Stephen. We don't even read about them. You know when we read about them? Acts chapter 8, and everybody left. They're like, yo, you hear what happened to Stephen? The man that was working with power and grace? Yeah, him. The one who did signs, wonders, and miracles? Yes, him. He dead now. Say What? So sometimes if you're not walking carefully, you won't walk alone. And walking alone is not in the sense of the independent nature that all of us have. But I'm going after God whether you're with me or not. Whether you come or not, whether I'm healed or not, I'm walking carefully. Walk upright before him. Walk carefully. Then... The second thing, be careful, attention, be care, pay careful attention then to how you walk, not as unwise people, but as wise. Walk carefully and walk wisely. <laughs> and the last thing is don't waste time. Walk carefully, walk wisely, and don't waste time. You know what I wish I would have known when I was younger? You don't? I thought you was going to say, What? Thank you. Everything matters. How I studied in school, what I put my hands to, can indicate what I'm going to do when I'm grown up. If I'm not disciplined in this area, it's going to be hard for me to get disciplined 
And here's what I also know. If I could be disciplined with stuff I don't like to do, I could be disciplined enough to do stuff that I like to do. Sometimes we compartmentalize it. I don't feel it. I don't feel like it. Well, shoot, how many times do you feel like going to work? You do things because you see the need for it. So are we walking wisely with Scripture? Because we don't see the need for it. We hit that wall, and then we call on all the saints. And now, in my experience, the saints ain't loving. Because when we reached out to you in success, we didn't get a return phone call. Now, in the struggle, you just go and do the list. I call Melody. Melody ain't pick up. I call Pat. Walk wisely. Be filled with the Spirit. Then he says, understand the will of God. And then don't waste time. Craig Rochelle says it this way. You move in the direction of your greatest thought. What you thinking about? Because what you think about the most is the direction you're headed towards. If God is still this abstract, obscure morality police, you're going to slowly move away from him. I was challenging someone this week and I said, hey, um, the scripture says that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. If you feel like he's hovering and he's not close, I always say this, are you diligently seeking him? I mean, every, every, Andrew, I'm talking about every, I'm talking about you, 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 you got matters of the heart. Are you diligently seeking him? But Pastor, how do I diligently seek him? Doing all you know how to do, prayer, reading, discipleship. Because he says, I stand in the door and knock. Why don't Natasha, why don't he just kick down the door and make himself known? And then, then Stephen, in his walk with God, he's walking closely with God. He's walking closely with God's people. He's, he's been full of power and grace. And what's so beautiful about Stephen, even in the obscurity of waiting tables for the widows, he didn't let, let that define his position in God. So when the opportunity came for him to preach, he preached. He did not go looking for the opportunity because God was incubating him and through his own faithfulness, and here's what I want you to see in all of this sandwich between the two, full of power, grace and power. He looked like an angel. You read that text and you dive a little further. It brings to mind the other's verse that he will give you peace that surpasses all understanding. So when the Sanhedrin looked at Stephen, they saw how peaceful he was. All it, like, They're coming after him. And Vince, he, they look at him. All these accusations. And he's, in, he's so peaceful. 
And then when we go and we dissect, study Acts chapter 7, he preaches. And it takes the whole chapter for him to get through it. And then Luke writes that as he's preaching, he lifts his head and sees Jesus on the right hand of the Father. Because he was preaching not for his own comfort. And I look at this scripture, and in my mind, my flesh, y'all pray for me. I'm thinking of 105 different ways it could have went down. That when he preached to the group, they heard him and they followed him. But then I read back one verse and it's obscure and it's almost like it's just thrown in there. And I'm just like, huh, interesting. So Acts chapter six. And I leave you with this thought, which is a beautiful reminder that everything that God puts in Scripture matters. First number seven. So the word of God spread. Amen. The disciples in Jerusalem increased greatly in number. And a large group of priests became obedient to the faith. And you go, verse number eight. It almost implies that this Jesus movement was upsetting the establishment. This Jesus movement, just all these priests began to know in the fullness of who God is. And the Sanhedrin and all the people around who were benefiting from what they were, that where Stephen was preaching against, got to the place where they wanted to shut them up. And then I drill it down a little bit further, Natasha. That although the truth of who he is sets me free. He still got to stretch out in me. And there's a bias that I have in the, in the comfort of my rut and routine that when the word of God comes forth, sometimes, not y'all, but me, sometimes it's hard to bend my will to his. And so we're upsetting. So the Holy Spirit upsets us in the sense that we have to stop looking at this person, this person, this person. And start looking at ourselves. Yeah, the divorce has the potential of making you bitter. But in God's hands, that same divorce can make you better. Those questions that you are wrapping your mind around that you don't have the answers for. My prayer is you keep searching, you keep seeking. You get those that are mature in the faith to walk with you because walk carefully, walk wisely. And so if you're here today and you've been walking alone, I'm going to invite you to walk with us. 
And here's my disclosure and disclaimer. As many of us that are here, we ain't got everything figured out. Some of us are wrestling with hard questions that I lay out before God because I don't know the answer. I'm not going to be that guy that pretends I do. But if you're willing to walk alongside us, we may not know till Jesus come back. But you don't have to walk alone. That was Pastor Antoine continuing in the book of Acts with the Jesus Movement. If you are blessed by anything you heard in today's podcast and you feel led to give, feel free to text the word GIVE to 704-741-3705. And if you are in Charlotte or the surrounding areas, come on by and visit us at 465 South Cannon Boulevard in Kannapolis, North Carolina, Sundays at 1033. You could also join us online Sundays on Facebook and YouTube. Be sure to subscribe to us and check out our Instagram under Think Kingdom. As always, you can go back and hear this message and so many more right here on our Think Kingdom podcast.